You feel it, you know it. D-Raw Productions. What's up, people? It's your boy D-Raw, giving you another episode of the Houston Sports Connoisseurs. Don't forget to seek, listen, and learn to be a sports connoisseur just like me. And I got my boy, my co-host, Charles, with me today. What up, what up? It's time. I'm back again for episode two. Make sure you go back and check out episode seven when I made my splash debut. But guess what? Just like in that first splash, I'm finna put some waves in this water. Let's get it. Hey, today we're gonna open up and we're gonna talk about the Houston Rockets. We're gonna talk some Astros. And then we're gonna talk about the grand finale, the Houston Texans. H-Time Grand Slam. We doing we doing a triple crown? We doing, hey, we doing it all, crown all the way. All right. Only team we really missing, man, is the Dynamo, but, you know. Yeah, them Dynamos ain't got no more dynamite. So, yeah, <laughs> we can go on and lift them out and lead them out of this one, you know. So, let's just do a little introduction for Emmy Yudoka, uh, the Houston Rockets coach. Emmy, he played for the San Antonio Spurs um, back in the day, and he was part of that championship team. You know, that that was very victorious, and he got that ring um, against Miami, I believe. Yeah. I, I, I want to say that I read somewhere, but don't 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 quote me on this, y'all, that a large reason, uh, he was a large part of the reason they won that championship because they would put him in the game, you know, as a garbage time player. But his lack of wearing deodorant is what made the other opponents kind of stay away from him, so it made easy lanes for the for, for you know Tony Parker and them to drive to the basket. But you you ain't heard that from me. Hey, you know somebody who was attracted <laughs> to that deodorant, that stench. Hey, don't do it. Not don't long. do it. Don't do it. Miss Long, sensitive situation. Miss Long, man, how could he blow that? Man, my gosh. I mean, have you seen her lately, bro? Yeah. I mean, even in, in in these days, she still she carries still this, looks this heavy amount of sexiness about her. She's just like a glass of uh, Hennessy that's been put in the freezer. You know, <laughs> it don't freeze, it don't shake, it don't wiggle. It just walk. Oh, you know oh, talking about this pure white Hennessy right Man, now? Man, you ain't have to put everybody in on what we sipping on. That's between us. That's behind the scenes footage. But yeah, he made yeah he had his opportunity, but he blew it. But anyway. What do you think about him as the Rockets coach? Man, I think M.A. brings a good defensive mind to the Houston Rockets. I mean, I could see that just right away from the six games that I've seen them play. You know, their defense is, is a whole lot more intense uh, this year than it was in the past couple years by far. And he, he's probably the best coach that we've, we've uh, signed in the last Probably decade, to be totally honest. Just looking at his his track record, what he did with the Celtics before all this stuff, you know, ran through the door. But even just some of those those teams that he was an assistant coach on, he was even an assistant coach for the Spurs uh, back in 2014 and things like that. So, you know, I I, I think M.A. is a is a damn good coach for the Rockets. Yeah, 
I'm gonna piggyback on you on that, man. I, I think uh, all of his accolades that he brought over for you know the success he had with uh, the, the Boston Celtics was a, a great fit for what we needed here in H Town. And I'm gonna be honest, I was a little bit fretful of the situation that went on in his personal life. You know how much of that was gonna be a distraction for him coming into this job. But I give give credit to the Rockets organization, him and everybody uh, involved with it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to be a distraction at all. It's, it's, it's almost like an afterthought. I mean, because honestly, bro, it was just some normal stuff that happened in, in a normal day. Not to say that it's okay for what he did, you know, but overall, he never did anything to ever harm his team or you know, the the play of this team, everything was always still, you know, it was always a, a full effort towards him coaching the team. Even though everything that he did on the side was kind of off the court inside the organization, you know, but he was, he was still a damn good coach, and you can't knock that. Nah, you can't take that away from him. And I know we're going to talk about uh, D'Amico a little bit more in depth as we, as we progress through this episode, but... I do want to make a slight comparison that I see early on between the two. Is it safe to say that as it applies towards the culture of the Houston Rockets and the Houston Texans, they have both done a good or a great phenomenal job of coming in and instituting or implementing a mindset within the team that makes these guys, these young guys, because the Texans are kind of young, and the Rockets are kind of young. And it feels like these young guys are bought in to the mindset of both of these established coaches that we're going to go get it. Right. You know, to be honest, I'm very, very impressed with both organizations at this point. Um, I know the Texans have been through some rough times, you know, a couple of different coaches and things like that. To say and, Yeah, and the Rockets, they, they went through their little thing with um, – uh, Steven Silas, you know, but the the fortunate thing about all of this, man, is that they, they're getting players that's buying into what they're trying to do, yeah. you know, yeah. and sometimes, hey, you, you got to have a couple mishaps to, to get on the right path, but uh, it's, it's happening, especially for the Rockets now, yeah. and you're starting to see some of those, those young stars shine, and the same thing can be said about the Texans. And like I said, we're going we're gonna to talk more about those Texans in a little bit. But uh, right now, at this junction in the uh, segment, we're talking about these Rockets. So we understand that Eme may be a great fit for the team. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about what he's working with this year. You know, uh, some of these players. Uh, what about the starting five? You got Jalen Green. Mm -hmm. You got Alperin Singoon. Mm -hmm. Fred Van Vliet. Dylan Brooks, mm -hmm. and Jabari Smith Jr. Mm -hmm. Now, when you talk about the starting five, you can't help but set it up like this. When you think, and I'm a little excited, so you're going to have to forgive me. You might see the, the pitch in my voice change a little bit, right? Yeah, now, as I get ready to say this, right? But, man, I always like to start off when I'm talking about a starting five. The, the first thought that comes to my mind is, your starting five, how do they match up with the starting five of the elite teams mm -hmm. in the NBA? So with those five that you just named, how, on a scale of one to ten on the elite teams, them being able to hold their own right now, where would you rank them? Uh, 
will have to be somewhere in the middle of the pack. Like a five? I hit five out of what? How many teams in the NBA? Like what? 30? No, 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 no. I'm not ranking where they rank at amongst the 32 teams in the league. What I'm ranking is if they played the Lakers starting five, mm-hmm. what are their chances of winning on a one to ten? Or Phoenix? Or, you know, the great teams in the NBA right now. Well, it's good that you say the Lakers starting five because we do play the Lakers tonight. Stand up, H-Town. And uh, when you when you talk about the starting five of the, the Rockets versus the Lakers, I mean, of course, uh, LeBron is always going to be an X factor against, you know, any team in the NBA. Mm, you're going to make me... You gonna but, make me give up the teaser at the end of the show because you know we you know we got to talk about how much longer the the king is gonna be in the league. But go ahead, finish with that. But when we when we just look at the starting five, I actually like Fred VanVleet versus uh, D'Angelo Russell. I feel like that's a win for us. So you, you give you give us the nod on that. Yeah, I give us the nod on that. Okay. You know, um, Jalen Green versus let's see who is the Lakers two guard at this point. I guess Austin Reeves. Come on, man. Green. Come on, man. But but you know what? I mean, Austin Reeves. He's a good player. He can do a couple couple good things, you know. But I don't see him outplaying Jalen Green by by, by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. Yeah, uh, no I mean, way possible, bro. I, mean, I know I gave you the so, white so so that's, early, but let's not go to so look, hey, look, let's two, <laughs> two for five Rockets. Two okay, for five, let's, let's two Rockets. five. You got three more. So uh, small forward. Dylan Brooks versus LeBron. Uh, LeBron all the way, but but Dylan Brooks can play some some damn good defense sometimes. And if you look at how Dylan Brooks been playing in these six games, bro, he averaging fourteen point two points per game. You know what I'm saying? He averaging let's see, he averaging four rebounds. Mm-hmm. Damn damn near. Oh, he averaging a steal. So you know he making plays and he's shooting it good from deep as well. So, I mean, he, I mean, yeah, he got one point three steals. He, but the thing that's glaring to me, he got zero blocks, and he's he's averaging two turnovers a game, and we only six games in. So, facts. Given 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 a nod to LeBron right there is a definite given. So, yeah, that, that's like I said, I mean, that is what it is. We got yeah. we, we got to be honest. Yeah, so exactly. that, that that's real. So and me, so at this point, we kind of tied because. You know you're gonna take uh, Anthony Davis over Jabari Smith at the fourth position. Hmm. But hmm. I like what Jabari do, and I feel like Jabari could be a good defender on Anthony Davis, and he might be able to slow him down because he got that length to compete with that. You know what I've noticed, and this isn't just of times of late. This has been he's he's historically known for this. When it comes to matching up against Anthony Davis, he got he got some dog in him. But if it, if you a player that's got dog too, mm-hmm. sometimes he just kind of takes a back seat in the game. Like I've seen well, games where Anthony Davis actually will come up missing. And let me ask you this about <clears throat> Anthony Davis: Do you feel like he lost that dog when he went to Los Angeles? Because I seen a big dog in him when he was in New Orleans. Listen, when he was first in the league, even in college, you know what I'm saying? He was pit bull off the chain, but. I think it happened right when he left out of New Orleans. I really do. He got, I don't know if that's injury or if the fact see, that they I about the injury. Yeah, too. the injury slowed him down, or 
getting caught up in that circus. Everybody that gets on the team with LeBron has to, to understand one thing. Yeah, you want to go play with him because it gives you an instant opportunity to See win that? a championship, but they underestimate that circus, that media circus that comes along with yeah. being on a LeBron James team. I was going to say, you see, that's another thing. People don't realize when you go join LeBron, your statistics go down. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you might look like a, a better player in some ways, but you're not the same dominant dog that you was before. No. So I, I really don't know because I hadn't really just studied it that deep to, to, to answer your original question about what brought about the change in uh, – Davis, but to go back to what we are on, him and Jabari Smith, I can give the nod to Davis. If you if you cool yeah. with that, I can roll with Yeah, I mean, at this point of Jabari's career, yeah, I give it to Davis. You know what I'm saying? But, honestly, I look to see Jabari make a big leap this year. And it might start tonight. It might. I hope it so. Start tonight. I hope so, bro. <laughs> now, when we talk about the five, bro, I'm... I'm Rockets all the way, Sengun all the way, man. Ain't no question about it. We talking about a dude that can score it, pass it, and rebound the ball, and not to mention play some solid defense, too. Uh, it, there's nothing, nothing that the Lakers can do with Jackson Hayes that's going to stop uh, Alperin Sengun. So let's take a look at it by numbers, right? Because I'm, I'm big on numbers. He's averaging almost two and a half offensive rebounds, which a lot of people overlook that stat, but that's huge. He's, he's averaging about six boards a game uh, on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. So total, he's almost at 10. Uh, he, listen, we before I even say this, let me just set this up the right way. We are talking about the five position. And this dude is averaging seven assists a game. Right. Okay, so he's bought into the team concept and, as a big man. He ain't just he running down there, still. holding his hands up, hey, give me the ball. He's actually being a facilitator. And he's getting steals. And you got to remember, because you pointed this out to me, this man is coming up off a triple-double, ain't he? Yep. Off a triple-double, amazing game. Uh, At the five. At the five. Hey, now, when we talk about all those st- statistics, who does that really kind of sound like that's at the top of the NBA right now? At the five position? Yeah. Uh, averaging a triple-double? Passing the ball, bringing the ball down court, shooting it, post-game. I don't know. Jokic. You always been big on Jokic, man. But, but I'm not, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not big on Jokic. I see but it now. I see it now. Like he's proven, so we 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 can't take nothing away from Jokic. But do you think that's what we got in, in the fall right now? A young Jokic. Hey, I believe if the Rockets keeps running the ball through Alperin Sengun from Van Vliet, we got us a baby Jokic. So now. Let, 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 let me let me tie that together for you real quick because I, I I got a question that I'm really curious about. Since the acquisition of Van Fleet, do you think that the level of expectation of success, how how much do you think that's risen with the team? How much how much more value has he brought to this young squad? Well, Van Fleet, he's brought a lot of value because one, he's a former champion. Two, he's a true point guard and he looks to pass first versus shooting first. And last year, we had uh, KPJ, 
who look to shoot first, then pass. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Van Vliet is not ball dominant. He shoots when he has to shoot. Uh, he can take over a game when needed to, but he looks for all his teammates first, and he looks for different ways to win the game. That's why when we look at the statistics, we see Jalen Green, he's averaging 18 points. Alperin, 18 points. Van Vliet, 16 points. Dylan Brooks, 16, and on and on. Right. Because the ball is getting spread around evenly, so everybody has an option to either take the shot or make a play. Right. And I got two more points I want to uh, throw in there before we move on from the Rockets. I know we got a lot to cover tonight. But um, one, the one thing that I like about the chemistry of these, these Rockets, everybody that's been brought to this team, they already know that this was Jalen Green's team. Right. And the way that they're playing, it's still allowing him to be the man. So I like that. But now, do we disrupt the current chemistry of this team when Eason comes back? Um, man, that's a good question because Eason brings something different to the team. And I think a lot of times we focus on Jalen Green. Uh, he gets a lot of flack and stuff like that. But Eason do a lot of things, bro. Like, he's one of those triple-double kind of players. He, he can assist. He can score. Uh, you know, he can rebound. He got the height to do it, too. And honestly, we can look up one day, and Easton could be one of the number one players for this team. Mm. And mm. Jalen Green could be mm. on the outside. Mm. And the only reason I say that is because JG, he's good. Yeah. But I feel like he lacked some characteristics of a superstar. What? Yeah. Like JG? JG. One is the shooting. He got to work on the shooting. I feel like it's, it's year three. But, but you do realize that that's what he was brought here for, to be the superstar. You do realize yeah. that he's a large part of why the beard is not back in a state. That, that's, that's facts, yeah, because he, he even made that statement and basically said he didn't want the beard in a state. Okay, so you telling me he can't. Well, even if you feel like he can't live up to that expectation, somebody in the organization feels that way. Oh, yeah. Someone definitely feel like that. Okay, so then if you're going to go there, then I think it's only fair that I ask this. I'm not asking this question for me. I'm asking this question for all the listeners because I know it's somebody back there, you know, I mean, out there right now listening to this. They scratching their head and they they, 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 they done threw the beer up against the wall and, and they want to know. <laughs> Dang it, Bobby. I'm going to kick your ass. See? See? Pop. Pop. See? Down to starting five and how they'll match up against the Lakers. Uh-huh. But, like I said, when Eason comes back, who do you take out and put him in? Or do you do that? Is he the sixth man? How, how, how does that roster work? What is the man you Doka put together? I leave Eason on the bench as a sixth man mm -hmm. because he can run that second squad. But you just said he was more of a bona fide star than Jalen yeah. Green. I think he is. Possibilities is, is pretty high that he is. But why mess why mess up what you got going right now? You know? Exactly. You three and three. Exactly. Y'all made some good turnarounds. We beat Charlotte. We beat uh the Kings twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh De'Aaron Fox wasn't there. But hey, you only can play who, who's we, in front we, of you. We, you can only play who's in front of you, but we're gonna put just like uh they tried to say about our championship. In 94, 95. Look, we got to put an asterisk next to them games, man. Because without Fox, Fox is a bona fide. He is. He's a bona fide player, bro. Okay. Ain't no question so, about that. So, I mean, you know, that's, 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 yeah, we won the game. I'm happy we won the look, game. But 
I still feel bad about saying we but look, beat them. But let's look at it this way. Amin Thompson didn't play. Okay. And that's a top pick. Uh, we didn't have Tari Eason playing. Mm. You know, the, the players that's been coming off the bench making plays is Jeff Green. Old Jeff Green. Old Jeff Green. Uh, Aaron Holiday. Uh, Aaron. Aaron Holiday. Okay. Uh, ja- Jock Landell. Now you finna, you, finna, you finna do something right now that really makes me, as a fan, be really excited about the Rockets and their future. Keep going, keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to tell you when, when it's time to get lit. And let's see. Cam Whitmore, he played three games. Light your lighter. Love it, man. 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. I got stuck it paid. When we talk about that Cam Whitmore, baby, he everything H-Town embodies. Hey, come and on. And then Reggie Bullock. So, <clears throat> Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock started playing, man. But, yeah. Now, he might be a player that might be kind of on the out as far as, like, time in the game when Tari come back. No, but not only that, he's got to deal with Tari, Amin Thompson, and Cam Whitmore. Same. Yeah. No, no, you know, shout out. Oh, shout oh, out to oh, 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 Shout oh. out to Buddy. Hold up, man. No disrespect. But that's that's a lot of walls to break down. Hey. I also forgot about my boy Jay Sean Tate, man. Exactly. So what's wrong? That that bench looking solid with Tari coming back. The bench is solid. We have a heck of a foundation. A lot of defense too. But when it all comes together, what's not to be excited about? If these players play up today, if they play up to their true potential and Some the injury bug is kind to us, I can see great things, man. I can see great things. All right, so I know we three and three, six games into the season right now. It's very early for NBA season when you got eighty-two games, you got an in-season tournament, and all that kind of mm-hmm. shenanigans now. Uh, but you know, currently right now at three and three, we're the eighth seed in the NBA. Do you think it's possible that we could be somewhere from eighth seed to play in or something or better by the end of the year? Oh, absolutely. That's 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 no brainer right there. I'm telling you, if the Cam Whitmore that I saw in the preseason mm-hmm. gets an opportunity to get his feet wet, and, and, and I'm telling you, he's gonna he's gonna adapt that Coach Prime mentality. I'm gonna mess around and get comfortable, and when he do that, <laughs> it's on because he 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 plays he plays well, bigger than what he really is. Let me let me yeah. ask you this. Just looking at Cam, how he's been playing preseason, summer league, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where do you think his ceiling lies? There is none. What you're looking at, and you heard it here first. I, you know, I tell y'all a lot of stuff on this podcast first because that's why you need to tune in. You know what I'm saying? And listen more often because I give you the inside tips to help get your bets up on, on DraftKings or wherever, whatever site you go to. But listen, people, I'm telling you. Cam Whitmore, if he's if he's brought along correctly, his ceiling, there is no cap, and you could be looking at the next Penny Hardaway. Penny? You know, it's funny you say Penny. I was thinking something like Melo. 
Carmelo. Nah. Melo to me, man. I mean, shout out to Melo. I don't mean no disrespect to me, man. But if I, after I look back over his, his career and all of that, he did not live up to his expectations. The difference between him and Cam Whitmore is people don't really have no expectations. So anything he do is just going to be a positive. Well, that's true because you even think about like when he got drafted, he was supposed to be drafted way higher than what he was. He was, but he was hurt. True. But look at Melo when he was drafted. He was drafted to be a face of the NBA. Mm -hmm. Wasn't nobody putting Cam Whitmore's face on the NBA when he got drafted? Not he slid so far down, people was like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. But then when he started playing in, in, in preseason, people was like, whoa, did we make a mistake? Hey, impressive, uh, explosive, can shoot. Yeah. He could do a lot. And he can he he, he can uh, size you up and go one on one and take and it to the hole. And he can defend. And he got speed and the hops. That's why I say he reminds me so much of Penny Hardaway because Penny Hardaway did so much. And I hate the fact that injuries shortened his career because trust me, if Penny Hardaway would have played a full career in the NBA. We're talking about a Hall of Famer. Easy. Oh, yeah. We, we, we got him up there in the talks with people like Kobe, LeBron, and Jordan. And that's why I say the ceiling for, for Cam right now is immeasurable. But I can see it because yeah. I got an eye for that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not crippled by glasses or contacts. <laughs> I got clear focus. <laughs> I can see these things. You know what I'm saying? But what you think? Man, I think I think Cam's future is bright. Um He's gonna definitely be somebody that the, the Rockets can rely on if they if they treat him right, you know, he stay healthy. Um, yeah, like I said, bright future. I think he's putting in the work. We already see that. Mm -hmm. You know, he just really just need that opportunity right now. He need that opportunity. And, and 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 just so you know, I'm not hoping for this, but I can kind of see this. We are still a young team. We're going to go play L.A. We know what L.A. got. We know it's the bright lights. But you got to realize we got some young players on our team. I don't know how they're going to respond to that. Mm -hmm. But it just might be a case where Cam may get an opportunity to come in because the team is looking for a spark because the other, the other starters and all that are caught up in the bright lights. And if Cam come in, he's got that one X factor that I don't see already with the starters. Don't get me wrong. The starters are good. They're probably better than him right now. I'm not saying that. But he does have this one trait that most of them don't have, with the exception of Van Fleet. Cam ain't got no feel, man. He don't know how to be scared. Hey. Jalen's green, I can, and sometimes I see him disappear. Jabari but, Smith, eh, sometimes he play a little timid. I ain't never seen that out of Cam. Well, another thing about Cam, no. another another thing about Cam is that out of all them boys, he the one that really truly got a chip on his shoulder, and he got a good reason why. And that's why he ain't gonna play with no fear. He gonna come out there like little baby. I got something to prove. You know what I'm saying? He gonna <laughs> come out there. He gonna get that. Yeah. But you know, that's the Rockets. So give your prediction on the game tonight, man. It's gonna be a close game. Um, hmm. 
I can see the Rockets prevailing. And the only reason why I say that is if we shooting the way we've been shooting the last couple games, I don't really see the Lakers keeping up with that. Uh, it was different when we played Golden State. And even then, we played Golden State at a high level. You know, we held uh, Steph Curry until the fourth quarter. So, they ain't got no Curry. You know how many teams have said that? <laughs> I mean, that's true. But we, we held Steph Curry until the fourth quarter. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that's true. But I'm looking at the young squad we got. I went into the Golden State game with low expectation. I didn't expect us to win. But they was competitive to a level where I seen something. You know what I'm saying? And that something turned into a victory against Charlotte, against the Kings. So I wouldn't be surprised if we knocked off a 3-3 and Lakers team. You know, it kind of falls into what I always say about our H-Town teams. The games we're supposed to win, we lose. The games we're not supposed to win, for some reason, we show up in. But to be honest with you, the statistics on this game, for me, read this way. We're a young team. We got a lot of, you know, potential or whatever. But going into this game tonight against the Lakers, I think it's going to be a, a learning curve for us. But at the same time, we're going to be able to learn from that lesson mm-hmm. and grow from that lesson. We are coming off a little winning streak, but I think this one here is the reality check. I don't ever like to predict that we're going to lose, but I think we take an L in this one. But it's going to be an L for all the right reasons. Yeah. We're going to see what we got and what we really need to work on and how we kind of stack up, you know? And then that's going to show me what M.A. Udoka is really made of. How do you make those adjustments after that type of game this early on in the season so that you can compete at a high level right. later on in the season with young players? So it's, it's going to be a good game. It's yeah. going to be a good game. I agree. And, and M.A., he, he's done a pretty good job at making adjustments as the, uh, so far as the season has went. So I expect good things. Yeah, and, and like I said, this game is going to give him an opportunity, I think, to, to, to get a look and a feel for some of the players off the bench as well. Yeah. yeah. So, people, let's talk about those Houston Astros. First, we want to talk about Johnny B. Dusty Baker Jr. Let's do it for Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dusty was hell of a player, and he was hell of a manager as well. Two-time All-Star. Uh, he won the Gold Glove Award in 1981, two-time two World Series champion, 81 and 22 as a manager in 22, uh, two-time Silver Slugger Award in 80 and 81, and he was a three-time NL Manager of the Year in 93, 97, and 2000. Uh, also, hats off to him, he was, he was also um, a reserve in the Marines. So, man, you, you look at, like, this... You know, this lifespan of his over 74 years, and he's done a lot. He was, a, he was in the Marines as a reserve. He was a player. He's a manager and a coach. Right on. Um, you got to just take your hats off to this man. Yeah. You know? I ain't going to lie. With all that you just read, man, the first thing that came to my mind is, man, I could light a stick of gas with Dusty. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, let's just talk about the most recent times. You know, I know Dusty have... Uh, lost many World Series and things like that, especially Game 7s as the most recent. But uh, he did get his first championship with the Houston Astros last year. 
and he's making, well, he made his final appearance with the Astros in 2023 uh, in the ALCS. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, Dusty is a damn good coach, manager, however you want to label him. Um, he did decide to step away from the Astros and possibly stepping into like a lower role where he just kind of like helped facilitate the, the roster of the team and things like that. Uh, whatever. Oh, so, 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 so you saying he gonna still be in the fold? He's just not gonna be the manager. Well, he gonna be in the fold for somebody. He haven't uh, chosen a team or been hired yet, but he's gonna be around. Oh, so we don't know if it's gonna be uh, specifically for the Astros, but yeah. he's gonna be a consultant for somebody. Somebody. Okay, okay, that's a good thing. And, for and him. I would definitely say, man, hopefully, if the Astros smart, they keep him around. You know, because yeah, he just know the game so that much. Knowledge, man, that, 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 that baseball IQ that that man has is, you know. He, it's priceless. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can't put a price tag on it. But one of the things that stood out for me that I found out, you know, I know we talked about doing a little segment on Dusty and we was going to talk about some of the things. So then when I was doing my research, one of the things that stood out about him that I did not know mm -hmm. is that he ranked seventh in all-time MLB managers and wins. And he got the most as, you know, an African-American. Not that, that race really is a, is a big factor in that, but it does say something yeah. about him. But he's a 12th manager and first African-American manager with 2,000 victories. Mm -hmm. And he's the first African-American manager with 50 postseason victories. Mm -hmm. And he's the oldest manager to appear and win the World Series. At 73. And that's never been done in all four major North American sports. So yeah. shout out to uh, Dusty. We, Man, you know, like I said, we appreciate your service. You know, I'm, I'm talking about him like he's still in the armed forces somewhere. So we appreciate your service. Get that man a free meal at dinner. Hey, look, and we still, <laughs> and look, we still not that. Dusty was the first manager in Major League history to lead five different teams to division titles, and also the ninth manager to win both an AL pennant and an NL pennant. Right. The dude is just amazing. He just from, a winner. He just a winner. Yeah, from yeah. being a player to a manager, man, Dusty has been amazing. You know, that's just all you can do is take hats off to that man, bro. Because everything he has done, like you said, has included winning. And a lot of times you don't really see a coach win on both levels like that, especially not as a player and a coach. But let me ask you this here. What do you think it is about Dusty? That makes him so relatable, cause cause we we put out there how old he is. He's seventy three years old. How does Dusty get a young rookie that's maybe twenty somewhere twenty twenty one twenty five years old to do what he needs to do? That's almost like a grandparent trying to raise a young kid these days. Like that's unheard of. But he gets these guys to buy in. So what, what do you think it is about Dusty that he's able to do that? Man, to be honest, I, I really don't know. It's just something about what he made of, bro. Something in the recipe that he just delivered. You know, something on the inside that he could just relate with all players. And it, and it might just be his background. Maybe, you know, he got grandkids and stuff like that. And all that might help him relate to the younger players. But also it's just... It's just the history he has, you know. Who won, Who wouldn't want to listen to a a player that was a winner, as you know? I mean, a coach as a that was formerly a player that was a winner, and then you known this guy for years, years as a manager, go out and win as well. Somebody got to pass on the word about Dusty Baker. Yeah, 
and that's just word of mouth. Look, man, I'm gonna do something right now that I, I'm a strong uh, proponent of doing. You know, I, I, well, I really don't like to do this, and that's to play my hand too fast, too early. But I'm, I'm gonna give it just just to make sure people are still dialed in and listening to us at this point. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm starting to see a reoccurring theme with these coaches, man. Like I told y'all, I think the level of success that M.A. Udoka achieved while he was with the San Antonio Spurs and winning that championship was because he ain't have on no damn deodorant. Now, I just <laughs> asked you a question. Why do you think Dusty Baker is able to get, you know what I'm saying, so much out of so little with these younger players? And I thought about it. I said, I just had an aha moment. I said, man, this man's name is Dusty. Does that mean he ain't running around there and wearing deodorant too? I'm starting to see something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to see a little something. But I mean, but you know, now, nah, all jokes aside, I think his pedigree, people come in and they, you know, he, he's been able to establish that respect that he knows what he's talking about because he's a player's coach. Because he, he played the game and then managed the game. And he done well on both levels. So, I think that may be why. And then you just you gotta look at this. This dude played 19 seasons as a major baseball mm -hmm. uh, player. Mm -hmm. You can't tell him that he don't know a lot about the game. You know, mm -hmm. not only that, he was an all star. So you you know he knows something. You know he he did it at the at the top of the game, and he's doing it as a coach at the top of the game again. And like you said, that pedigree that he brings is just something special. Did you know that he played with Barry Bonds' father? I see. I did not know that. Yeah, not Barry Bonds Jr., but Barry Bonds Jr.'s father. Him and him and Dusty Baker was teammates. Yeah. So Dusty has definitely seen uh, some high quality players in his time. He's been around. He knows what winning looks like. Mm -hmm. He knows what it takes to develop a player. He knows work ethic. So yeah. Now. That segues right into the question I originally asked you. Was it time? Was it time for Dusty to step down? Now, yeah, it was time. <clears throat> it was time because as an old fellow, <clears throat> you get a little stubborn. You know, you uh, don't want to make changes when, when change needs to be, be made. And I think that's what I've seen out of Dusty. You know, uh, sometimes... He just got to know when it's time to pull a picture, when it's time to switch some things up in the lineup. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's why the Astros most notably lost the, the ALCS because he didn't pull the pictures at the right time. Mm -hmm. And I know back in the day, you know, they used to let pictures go nine innings, you know, yeah. one picture. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not that game anymore. Because because back then it was it was like a badge of honor to pitch a complete game. Mm -hmm. But... Nowadays, with the way these hitters are dialed in, to pitch a no-hitter, man, is almost unheard of. Yeah. You know, but you you, you want to attribute us not going to the World Series this past season to Dusty Baker not pulling the pitchers at the right time? Well, I mean, I'm just looking at as far as in-game management. But overall, I mean, the Astros, you know, they, they were kind of like falling off. They almost didn't make the playoffs, you know. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we made it, and... We did make it to the ALCS. Hats off to that. Um, but, man, I, I just think it was just that time. You know, it's time to get uh, some new some new young uh, managerial uh, thoughts in. You know, a different way of managing. Uh, get, get a couple more players in. Yeah. 
you know, pitching especially. We, we need some more aces. Uh, outside that, we need some outfielder, maybe a center fielder. Um, but well, what do you think about this? Because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of guilty of it too. And, and I know it's a little bit different, but I'm going to mirror this to like being in a relationship with this with, with a certain woman or a certain guy, whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we stay in a relationship way longer than we should have. And thinking about that, that makes me think about the Astros and Altuve. Do you think he's beyond his prime? I would say Altuve... He's not the same defender at all. At all. No, he's definitely not. But, hey, put him on that pedestal, big game, big time to make the hit. He's still Altuve. Al so you're and, talking about using him as a switch hitter now? No, I'm just, I'm just oh, saying. I mean a pinch hitter. I'm sorry, not a switch hitter, a pinch hitter. No, I wouldn't. I would definitely. I would never put Altuve as a pinch hitter. So you're going to keep him in the starting lineup? Hell yeah. Well, you then, know why? But then you answered the question. Then. But it's you, not time to move on. It, no, it's not time to move on. But I'm going to also say this. Altuve is the greatest Houston Astro to ever play for them. Wait a minute, people. You know what? We're going to pause for this commercial break right here. I need everybody to go refresh their drinks. Uh, you know, do a refill right quick. I got to pull my boy to the side. And when we come back from this commercial break, I'm going to school y'all to a little something. It's the Houston Sports Connoisseurs. Don't forget to seek, listen, and learn to be a sports connoisseur just like me. The Sports Connoisseur, D-Raw. All right. So, right before we left for this break, my boy Dion's. He threw something out there that got everybody a little riled up. So I took I took a one minute break for everybody to calm down and like I said, get their refreshers in. But he said Altuve is the best Houston Astro to ever don a uniform for the Ace Town Strolls. Mind you, we did have an era where we had Randy Johnson, Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio. Play for the Astros. Nolan Ryan. And he put Altuve above all of those players. Hey, man. Jose Cruz. Oh, my God. I need you guys to share your thoughts. Don't throw the apples. Trust me. Don't throw the apples at the speakers right now. But do. (laughs) Leave comments below. Let us know. Is Dion on that gas or is Dion on that gas? I mean, in his defense, bro, you, you just got to look at all the big time plays that happened besides uh, Alvarez making his plays. It's always been Altuve. You know, before Alvarez got there, it's always been Altuve. Altuve been with the Astros when the Astros was losing 100 games a season. And he's always been doing that. And now you look at him. What, he's like a couple home runs from passing up Manny Ramirez, you know, postseason-wise? Like, bro. You know what? This, this this is a great conversation to have because it's not like we're saying that Altuve is trash or any of the other players that was mentioned was trash. We're talking about some of the legends of baseball that come from the Houston area right here, and, and that really gets me pumped. But in all honesty, have you – Taking a look at Craig Biggio's number. 
over the course of his career? I haven't looked at all his numbers. I like Biggio. Jeff Bagwell's numbers? Biggio, Bagwell. The Killer Bees, baby. Berkman. I mean, oh. I, I like I like that, bro. I like oh. it. But overall, who who got the World Series championship? Okay. Oh, so we're going to go there? Yeah, we got to. You know, you know we got to go there. there. You know, here's what I'm going to say. Because here's when, what I'm going to say to that. You know what? That's like hitting below the belt. Because I'm so tired of all the debates that all boil down to this one bottom line. Who got the, the championship? That doesn't mean that you were not a great player. Just I never said they wasn't great. I never said they wasn't great. I just or said Altuve is a little bit great. Was it him or was it his team? The team is great. But tell me, you, you can't tell me those teams. You, you tell those me. Those teams wasn't great with Biggio Bagwell in Berkeley? No, they weren't great. The Killer Bees made those teams. All right, so what happened in 2005? What about it? They got to the World Series, mm-hmm. and they couldn't hit. No, it wasn't that they couldn't hit. Pitching let us down in that series. Go yeah. back and pull your numbers. Yeah, pitching pitching let us down in those numbers. Okay. It wasn't like we was losing uh, those games one to nothing. <laughs> that wasn't the reason. The reason we don't have a championship right now is because pitching failed us back then. And we had two pitchers that out of a five-pitcher rotation that we stood a chance in games. But the other five, we was out of there. Okay. Well, had no business being there. Well, look, man, I'm going to look at it this way. Al Tuway has brought us two rings. He's the one player that has been on all these championship teams, and he's still there. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is new, with the exception of Verlander, which left and came back. Mm-hmm. Altuve is one hell of a special player. Okay. And he's only <clears throat> five six. So what do we make changes at with those with those pitches that's on the current roster? Who do you, who 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 do you who are you excited about? Who's that player that's in the dugout that you, you lick your lips over? And who's that who's that player in the dugout that you just want to spit out all your chewing tobacco? The one player that I would say I lick my lips over that I'm really excited about. Don't lick your lips around me. <laughs> None of that homo shit. But Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown. Special player. Uh, he really mirrors his, his, his work ethic and... The way he plays after Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you just look at them two pitch, the ball, you would never really be able to tell the difference because they both release the ball very, very similar. Mm-hmm. The whole motion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he had 11 wins, 13 losses last season. But he's very young, 24 years old. And in baseball, man, that's that's young as hell to be a starting pitcher. At I, agree. Any, I agree. You know, um, but I, I would definitely say Hunter Brown. Now, the, the one pitcher that I'm mostly disappointed in this year, it has to be Frankie Valdez. Just not only just yeah. over the, the full season, but even the postseason. You know, uh, he was definitely a big letdown mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Christian Javier? Christian Javier, he had a good regular season. Postseason, he played good in that one game. Um, I can't remember what game it was. I think it was like game one or two. 
he played pretty good. But when it mattered uh, in game, what was it seven? Absolutely. Game seven, he just—I don't know, bro. He just lost it all. I think he lost his confidence. I think there was a little bit too much pressure on him. So you think the stage was too big for him? Yeah, I think I think the stage was too big for him that time. Yeah. Um, but I, I would I would like to to see Luis Garcia get healthy and get better. Absolutely. We we didn't get to see him in the postseason. I would like to see um um what's his name McCullers Lance McCullers get get healthy and better. You know. We we got pitchers, it's just about health. Yeah. But at the same time, I think we can lose some of these relievers that we had, lose a starting pitcher or two, and go get somebody that's a true ace. And I think that right there would make the big difference. You know, outside of like I said, the outfield. Well, as we 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 near and, and come back around for baseball season to come back, I'm gonna leave that right there on the pot and let it simmer. Uh, talking about what we need to bring in, what big names out there, who do we need to uh, kind of pursue type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I do want to kind of uh, end this with the uh, the Rockets, I mean the Astros segment here. Shout out to the Astros. Uh, as defending champions, they didn't just go on and go out. They went out with a fight because you got to admit in that series with the Rangers, going down 0-2, they could have very easily given it up. Oh, yeah. But they came back and made it the whole series. Yeah. One and three straight? Yeah. And, I mean, they, 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 they had the Texas Rangers on the ropes. Mm-hmm. But they did not finish the job. And in, in, in baseball, you got to put the nail in the car. You know, it's just yeah. – that's, that's the one weird thing. It's like, how do you not win a game at home? At home. But you can say the same thing about the Rangers. Yeah. Even though they moved on in the series, you know, to, to, to the uh, World Series, they didn't win a home game either. Yeah. But it's like, damn, bro. I don't know. It's like both teams, man. It's just like they fed off the opposing team's crowd more. Yeah. You know, they, it's almost like that was the chip on your shoulder series. Like, I'm going to shut your fans up. No, I'm going to shut your fans But, up. you know, it's crazy because this is not the first time the Astros did that because they did that back in 2019. Yeah, but they always pulled out at least one game. Except 2019. But they never won a game at home. Not in 2019. And they won the World Series? They didn't win the World Series. That's when they lost the World Series. There we go. So, next. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, I was making a point here, then. then You go back to 2019 as if we had different results. The results are still the same. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what is it? Like, how do you get in that that mood to where you just can't pull it off at home? But, like you said, man, next. Let's let's go ahead and talk about the Texans. You know, I'm licking my lips about that. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, let's talk about our, hey, let's talk about our former player. D'Amico Ryan. Hold on, let me get the mood right here, people. I just, just so y'all know, man, y'all can go to the NFLshop.com, man. I just got this brand new fitted that just, you know what I'm saying? I ain't never even put it on my head yet, man. It's got the it's got the Texans logo on one side and the NFL crest on the other. I can't wait to see y'all out here in the streets, man. Your boy gonna be sweet. But anyway, here we go. H-Town, stand up! Boys in the playoffs, bet you this year we on time. And if you're from that H like me, you already know what I'm talking about. Houston, Texas, home of the Texas, Houston, Texas, home of the Texas. D'Amico Ryan's, you know what I'm saying? Former Houston Texan from 06 to 2011. Then he went on to 
Philadelphia, where he played 2012 to 15. Uh, former Pro Bowler, former All-Pro linebacker, former Rookie of the Year as a defensive linebacker. Um, and he's the second leading tackler in franchise history for the Houston Texans with 636 tackles. My boy is a beast. And not only on the field, he's a beast on the sideline as a coach. From defensive coordinator at San Francisco to Houston Texans head coach, my boy is amazing. And so far, he's been turning this Texan team around uh, with C.J. Stroud at the helm. You know, he's doing amazing things. But not only that, you look at the defensive side, he got young rookie linebackers out there finessing and calling the defense and everybody's playing well. So what do you think about the Texans and my boy D'Amico? Man, you don't want to get me started on talking about D'Amico, man. One one of the things you can always judge a great coach by, in my opinion, is one, how his players play on the field for him. But two, one of the things that I noticed that's been different about him ever since he's taken over the reins as head coach versus to any of the previous head coaches we've ever had, his dominance, his leadership, his mentorship actually speaks through all of the players anytime they do an interview. Yeah. They are always praising him for being that person that they can relate to, that they can talk to, and that their input is valued and they're not just treated as, you know, because that man, the GM for the Houston Texans, he was a very damaging presence. And, and I'm talking about Nick Casario. Because you, you kind of remember the one thing that stood about out about him the most was he came here and with that Patriots mentality of referring to people on the team as the player. As if there was a clear-cut difference between him as a man and them as a man. But D'Amico came in and he smoothed all that out. And when you hear C.J. Young talk, I watched the interview with uh, Jimmy Ward. I've watched interviews with um, uh, Will Anderson. They all expressed at a high level of how much this man empowers them to be able to go out and play the game that they love, play it fast, play it free, and just, you know, that swarm mentality that we're talking and about. And they just buy in. And they just but, buy in. But you know, you know why he why you know why the players buy in so much? Because he's a former middle Mike linebacker. Okay. And from the beginning, he already knew what it took to be a leader. Hmm. And now he's a leader on the sideline. Hmm. And as a Mike linebacker, the whole defense is behind you. You call on the plays. You see everything as it's set up in front of you. And he's doing the same thing on the sideline as a leader, as the head coach. And with that experience, he's passing it on to the young linebackers that's coming in, like Henry Toa Toa, hmm. you know, uh, and even veteran linebackers like Denzel Perryman. And then you just look back at uh, – some of the other linebackers that he's coached, Fred Warner, that's what, probably number one or two linebacker in the NFL. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. all that comes from D'Amico Ryans. Mm -hmm. And that's why this Houston Texans team is going down the right path right now. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they're very, he, he's a very special type of player. But do does he have what it takes to get over that hump from being special to being a champion? I think he do. 
you know, he, he never was able to hoist the trophy as a player, but I think he got he got that dog inside of him. You know, he's been very close. Um, and I, I just think that with C.J. Stroud, man, as the, the quarterback, you, you got somebody with a chip on his shoulder. You got somebody that put in the work week in and week out. You got Henry Toa Toa, who was a, a low uh, – he's like a six-round pick or something, low pick, you know, in the NFL draft, mm-hmm. um, with a lot to prove, you know, coming out of Alabama. But also, not only that, you just – you got a lot of dogs on that team. And this Texan team is just different. It's, it's not the same kind of characters we always pick before. We got people that come in who might have a problem or two, you know. And D'Amico can fix that. D'Amico can get you to buy in. And I think that's what's going to make the difference in this team. And that's why I think this team is headed to the playoffs. Wow, that's a, that's, 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 that's a big, big compliment you just gave him. Uh, uh, so you say headed to the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Put, a, put <clears throat> Like most people say in the streets, put an address on that. Put a date on that, player. What season are you talking about? This year. 2023 regular season. We're gonna do good enough to get to the playoffs. Uh, I know, I know things might look a little funky right now. You know, the Jags they in the lead, but we beat the Jags. Yeah, you know, we did. We beat the Jags. Yeah, and the next time we play the Jags, we playing them in Houston. Yeah, we gonna beat the Jags again. You feel me? You know, yeah, I'm with you, player. And then we got the Colts. The Colts, yeah, they won, but the the difference in the difference between when they won. I gotta stop you right there. I gotta pump your brakes. I see, I, 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 man, I see you rolling full steam ahead, but I gotta, I gotta come back because I saw something in that Colts game, and I just want to pose this one question to you: Did the Colts beat us, or did we beat ourselves in that game? We beat ourselves in that game. Right. I was, hey, yeah, look, I was yeah, at that yeah, game. Yeah, 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 I was at that game. Okay, we beat ourselves in that game. There you go. You know what I'm saying? Hell, CJ Stroud had 384 yards passing. Pierce didn't run that well, but Collins, 146 yards receiving. Hmm. And those two things right there goes to show. We can exploit those things and make them even bigger. More people can get involved, and we can play even better against the Colts. The Colts, I mean, I'm not overlooking them, but I don't really see them as a, a huge problem, you know? Uh, but Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I will say this. Playing Cincinnati this Sunday will definitely – Kind of show us where we at, because oh, hold on before we go down that road. Hold on before we go there because that's 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 juicy. That's real juicy. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. I told you about this back when we was you know at the job back in the day, man. You got you you you, you just can't rush and take the panties off, man. Sometimes you gotta have a look for it. <laughs> you gotta have a look for it. So before we get into that, let's 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 let's, let's talk about what we got going or what we have going into that game. Mm-hmm. Based off of this last game we just came out oh, Because I'm not finna let this show go any further without us talking about the last game before we go into this new game. Yeah. Talk about that last game, man. Wow. 470 yards passing. CJ Stroud. I feel like Skip Bayless. Hey. We watch the game and I'm texting you and I'm saying, do you see what's happening? This is probably the game of the year to be at. Because this is going down as one of the best games of this season. And if, 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 if nothing else came true, this man broke a rookie record. Rookie record, people. 470 yards past wow. Andrew Luck. He's in great company. Wow. And tied another one. 
with five touchdowns. Five passing touchdowns. And how did he do it? With three receivers, with all of them over 100 yards. Yep. I mean, got the ball to everybody he could possible. <clears throat> no turnovers. And, and keep in mind, although some people may argue with me on this, the Texans don't have just a clear-cut number one receiver. CJ is getting the best out of receivers that are not even ranked really, really high. Well, Nico Collins is now, but Nico Collins has been with the Texans how many seasons prior to this one? Two. And when has he ever been talked about being ranked in the top 50 of receivers? Never. And this is his first year with CJ Stroud, and where is he ranked now? He's at the top, baby. So come on now. Hey, and then, like you said, he got the ball to everybody. Noah Brown, six receptions, 153 yards. Dalton Schultz, our tight end, 10 receptions, 130 yards. Tank Dell, my boy Tank, six receptions, 114 yards. Yeah. Nico, three receptions, 54 yards. You know, and the list just goes on. But Brown got a touchdown. Schultz got a touchdown. Tank Dell got two touchdowns. Nico got a touchdown. The receivers stepped up all the way. And yeah, hats off to CJ. But us as an offense, we just made plays, man. I mean, yeah, our running game wasn't where we wanted to be. I mean, man, yeah, that was a little ugly. That just but, makes it even that more special because we were one-dimensional. Right. And also to mention, uh, DP didn't play. Damian Pierce, he did not play, you know. But Devin Singletary, he did have 13 carries, 26 yards. It all wasn't – it wasn't Singletary's fault. You know, a lot of it's, it's the front front line blocking. Come on, man. Pump your brakes, player. You think did you say this man had 13 rushes for 26 yards? Yes, sir. That is not acceptable. It's not. But you looked at the game, I looked at the game. Do you, think, you. It was, you think it was Singletary's fault? Absolutely. Because here's one thing that you got to understand about the league. Defenses are going to hone in on whatever it is that you're doing best and try to stop that. So when this man goes out here and throws for 470 yards against your defense, mm -hmm. which was a solid defense. Uh, uh, shout oh, yeah. out to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was not just a trash defense that they faced. This was a, this was a, a top-tier uh, defense in the NFL. That would open up the running lanes alone because they're not stacking the box. Right. So tell me why Devin Singletary, who you say is a more shiftier back than DP, why he wasn't able to, you know, kind of break I mean, a couple of runs. I think, I think a lot of it, man, it's just scheme. But also, I don't know. To me, I didn't really see the offensive line doing great at run blocking. But – I didn't. Well, well, hold on. Like, Before we jump to that, let's let's talk about scheme. I actually thought the scheme, the offensive scheme this week, was a lot better in the past couple of weeks than it's ever been. Oh, yeah. Oh, the offensive scheme was a whole lot better, especially in the second half. Now, run blocking. I saw. And, and, and let me say this too, because I hate to be the one to use as an escape goat, but if you really watched that game and paid attention, I really felt like the refs. 
kind of hurt us a lot in that game. Because they was calling holding calls on us almost every play. Yeah, well, we had like, what, 100 and some yards and penalty yards, huh? But these was in key moments of the game. Well, like, especially in the, in the fourth play, in the in, uh, fourth quarter, when uh, Baker Mayfield made that play mm-hmm. on fourth down to keep that drive alive and go down and score that touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown for them. Yeah. On that fourth down play alone, I saw holding. I saw holding. No less than two to three different ways. <laughs> but everybody will tell you in the NFL, if you really think about it, on every play, you can almost call holding. In the NFL. Hey, you know what a, the old saying is: if you ain't holding, you ain't trying. I mean, yeah, that's the Patriots way. You know what I'm saying? If you ain't cheap, you ain't trying. I got you. But at the same time, man, all I'm saying is our run blocking. Sometimes you know we handing the ball off, and, and our runners are having to initially shake somebody as soon as the handoff comes. Mm-hmm. But there were some plays where I saw the wrong cut was made, you know, or not bursting through the hole. And, and sometimes that happens because you've experienced so much failure at running plays. Right. But what do we need to do to change that? Hey, let me ask you this. You know, uh, we had the trade deadline pass us by, but before that, do you think we could have possibly got another back that probably would have did it a little bit better for us? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm really high on the backs that we have. I really think it's 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 blocking that needs to step up, but it's kind of hard to say, man, because it, the game of football is such a team effort, mm-hmm. and it takes so many moving components to make one thing do this and, and do that and be successful at it. Uh, are we seeing down the next level, you know, as far as being able to see through the hole before you get the ball, read the defense before the ball is even snapped to know kind of where you're going, what needs to be done based off of what the defense. It's, it's all football IQ, right? Yeah. And, and then do you have the chemistry on the line to know that if this guy next to me is going to do this on this type of play, this may happen, so I need to be ready to shift over and do this. And because we've had to juggle so many parts on the line, like I said, it's so much that can go wrong with what's been happening with this team right now that we just need some consistency That's right. in order to make a true judgment. That's right. And, uh, and you know, know some, some of the linemen are just out of place. You know, like Titus Howard, I think he's always been better. Position. Yeah, he's always better at offensive tackle on the right side. Yeah. You know, and I think the whole city of Houston can say that that's been watching him like he's a much better offensive tackle than he is a guard. So if we can ever get him back into that position, get our center position, uh going in the right direction, we'll be all right. It, but but you know, if you look at some of the teams that have had a huge success in the history of the NFL with running, they've always had that one side of the line that was stronger than per se the other one. Mm-hmm. And we, for the past few weeks, have had Larry Tunsil and Titus Howard on the same side. On the same side. Why can't we bully ball on that side? I, I think, man, honestly, I, I just think that I see I see problems out of both of them, you know, because I see Tunsil give up plays uh, sometimes too, but it, it usually be passing. But as far as rushing, I just think that it's Titus Howard. I think he's not a great run blocker. Mm. 
at least in that scheme, you know, in a zone blocking scheme. It's a little different than them running downhill in a power rush scheme mm -hmm. or power run scheme, you want to say, where he's just downhill and attacking. And I think that's the big difference for him. Uh, and that's probably the issue. And we probably just need to, like I said, man, we need to swap him out for somebody that can do it. But it's kind of hard to say that when you got so many injuries left and right. Yeah. But we can't get, like I got to say, we can't get anything consistent right now with the injury bug. The injury bug has got us by the, you know, what the kahunas when it comes to the offensive line. But it was very encouraging to see them kind of take the uh, strings off of uh, C.J. Stroud and open up the passing attack. And that thing was a thing of beauty to watch. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, if we can continue to build off of that, then I think some more, some more running lanes are going to open up. But now... I'm going to take the brakes off you. We're going in against the Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Bay. After that great game, we got momentum riding high in that locker room. Wouldn't you just love to be a fly on the wall in that locker room right now, man? Like, those guys got to be walking around with their chest out, feeling like they can conquer the world. And now we got Joe Cool. Hey, hey, you know, we should be the ones smoking our cigars in the locker room. Right on. Not the Raiders. Right on. Uh, but it, it's gonna be a tough game, man. You know, the matchup predicted they say Bengals sixty five percent, Texans thirty four percent chance of winning. You know, but I, I like our chances. You know, even though the Lions say seven points in the Cincinnati favor, the way I look at it, Cincinnati at home seven points. What is it like a four point favor when you at home? So that's like three points for Cincinnati. It's gonna be a close game. It's going to be a defensive game. Now, you know, I'm going to hit a sensitive subject. So, you know, put your seatbelt on because the car going to hit a bump in the road. I'm telling you before we hit this pothole, one of these Sylvester Turner potholes in H-Town, we're going to hit that. All right. What if, what if D'Amico pulls out a flea flicker on defense and Mr. Stingley starts this weekend? You know, what does that do to hey, the numbers for our chances of winning? Looking at the full injury report, I don't see Stingley. Mm. You know, I see Stingley has mm. returned. Mm. That means Stingley got a chance of returning. So we get to lock down one of those receivers. Is it going to be T. Higgins? Who is it going to be? It's going to be somebody. I think, I think as a defensive coordinator, you always, whenever playing this, this Bengals roster, you have to put a concerted uh, uh, effort towards Chase, man. Yeah. Like, Chase is Jamar just a, Chase. He's just a defense killer. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and, what's, and what's the status on Jimmy Ward? See, I would have loved our chances against this squad if we had Derek Stingley out there and Jimmy Ward. What's, what's, what's going on with your boy Ward? Jay Ward. Where you yeah, at, man? Let's check out Jimmy Ward. Jay Ward sounds too much like Trey Ward. I need to know what's happening. <laughs> right, do we need to swing through the turkey leg? What's going on? Sparkles Burgers, holla at you, boy. Hey, Jimmy Ward is only questionable. He did not participate in practice on Wednesday, but he's not on IR. But so, what tells me we got to change? What is his injury? Is, had, it, is it a hamstring? Is he had the hamstring. Ooh, a little hammy, you know? A little hammy. A little hammy. That little hammy is what had Derek Stingley out for, for, for this amount of time that he's been out. That's true. So, is it a little hand in or is it a big hand? 
Well, I'm gonna say Lil Hammy because he ain't on IR right now. So that is a positive. That is a positive. And I, I granted, I probably say he probably won't play this weekend. You know, just Jimmy Ward. Yeah, I probably say he won't play just to be on the safe side. You know, we've been going through a lot of injuries and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's kind of like he must play because MJ Stewart, I, I believe MJ Stewart, his backup, and he's on injury reserve with a shoulder injury. So, so but we just brought a, a guy in, Arnold, right? Arnold. Yeah, I think we just signed him like a couple of days ago. Are you tell me about Arnold. I'm not sure. Well, you know, um, he, he's a veteran. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if they brought him in. I, I think they did bring him in as a safety. Uh, I really don't have the numbers on him right now to just, to, to just give you a, a complete breakdown on him. Mm -hmm. But we do have a body to put on the field. And that's what has me kind of leery about calling this game. Because you know what Joe going to do. If it's somebody new to the fold, somebody not not, not, not proven in the system, he going to test you. I can see, see him trying to test us. <clears throat> but I got a lot of confidence. And you know why? Because we got D'Amico calling the plays on defense. We got D'Amico overlooking the defense. And I just feel like he's going to make sure all the players are in the right position to make plays. And I think, like I said, I feel like we're going to pull this one off. Okay. Well, you know, his name is Graylin Arnold. And he's, a, he, he's listed as a DB. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought I heard somewhere where he, you know, he has uh, the ability to play safety. Maybe he's just a, you know, a nickel down back. Uh, but if that's the case, then who do we have? Let, let's take a look at the depth chart here at, at, at uh, Jimmy Ward's spot and see who could come in and, and make an immediate impact, if any. I don't, I don't think there's anybody. There's nobody on this team that's going to make a play like Jimmy Ward. Uh-oh. If you look at the depth chart, Graylin Arnold is listed as the second stringer behind Jimmy Ward. So he would be playing safety. Yep, yeah. it's right here on the, on the ESPN website. Uh, they have him listed as the second stringer. But the good thing is, Jalen Petrie will be there. Uh, Steven Nelson will be out there. Uh, let's talk about this one guy, man, who I'm just, I really don't know how to feel about him just yet. And I know he's had some solid moments, but Shaquille Griffin. I like Shaquille Griffin. Against this Bengals offense? I like him against any offense. What? I feel like, I'm not saying he'll shut down corner, but I see him make plays. I see him defend the passes. Uh, I haven't really seen him give up too many big plays. You know, this Texans defense is a bend-on-break defense, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, they ain't. Yeah, they, they ain't the number one defense in the NFL and nothing like that. But, hey, when we look at them, they're, what, number 18 in yards allowed. And that's getting better with these games. Yeah. It, never mind the points from last game. Because what you got to realize is some, some of those points that, that are scored against our defense, I don't blame it solely on the defense. The offense have put them – as they've been struggling and growing into the product that you saw last week, mm -hmm. they've been putting the defense in some compromising positions. That's true. You know, they, they, they've been on the field way too many minutes. But because the, the Texans have had way too many three and outs. And that just wears on the defense. And, you know, but, I was going to say, my bad. 
I was going to say, I'm very impressed by how we coach that game, you know, uh, not having a field goal kicker. I mean, and fourth, fourth down conversions. And like you said, we talk about three and outs, but getting it done on fourth down, bro. Yeah. Getting points yeah. when it really matters. Yeah. You know, 46 man. seconds. Come on. Yeah. Hey, that's a big bounce back by Bobby Slow. And still have six seconds to spare. That too. Who would have thunk? Not me. But it out. I witnessed it. And that just go to show how special CJ Stroud can really be in the NFL for years to come. For years to come. So right now, currently, your boy, Mr. CJ, is ranked the seventh best QB in the NFL. Now, mind you, these are the names that's in front of him. At number six, you And we're just talking about statistics. Statistics. Yeah. Kirk Cousins. At number five, you got Jalen Hurts. At number four, Josh Allen. At number three is Patrick Mahomes. So keep in mind, people, the only difference between C.J. Stroud ranking and Pat Mahomes is four spots. And then you got Sam Howell in Washington and Tua. So they, they, they already written and crowned the Dolphins as champion of the offense this year. And But look, let's, let's really tell the people what's <coughs> the most important thing. These are all about how many yards they've thrown. But when you look at touchdowns versus interceptions, oh, C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, 14 TDs, one interception. Pat Mahomes has thrown eight interceptions. Josh wow. Allen has thrown nine interceptions. No, you know, no, no just, just, just do it like this. All the quarterbacks ranked above him in passing yards. The closest one to him, as far as interception goes, is he's thrown at uh, four more interceptions than C.J. Stroud. That's that's the, that's the degree of separation between him and the closest person as far as interception. Which and is, I hate to keep talking about that because I don't want to jinx him. But that's remarkable for a rookie. Hey, it's, it's even remarkable just based on how offensive line been playing because they haven't been great, mm-hmm. you know. But you look at Patrick Mahomes' offensive line or Josh Allen' offensive line, these guys got better lines in front of them. Even Tua Tagalovia, you know, they got better offensive lines in front of them. So, overall, C.J. Stroud is something special. Now, let me just tell you how special he is. You know what I'm saying? And this 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 is just a stain for the brain. Alright. Some people have him in the talks for MVP. Not just rookie of the year, but MVP. Mm-hmm. But they, they, they they're talking about he's 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 strong for the consideration of the talks for that. But there is one player who the league, the talk around the league is early on right now. He is almost a consensus to win MVP. Who is that player I'm talking about? Who are you talking about? Tua? Don't worry about it. I ain't going to let you dig in your nose too long. Yeah, pull out right. I'm that? talking about Lamar Jackson. Lamar With the Jackson. season that he's having, they are trying to say that he he, he may be pulling away as the, as the candidate for MVP. But if you look at Lamar Jackson's numbers, this is the MVP. How many interceptions has he thrown all season? Three. How many has CJ thrown? One. So if that's your MVP and CJ is doing better than him right now, oh my God. 
Now look at Lamar uh, Jackson's passing yards. Lamar Jackson, even though it's by a small amount, he hasn't even passed 2,000 yards yet. Yes. CJ has. Yeah, Lamar only got 1,900 yards. And how many touchdowns has Lamar Jackson thrown for? Just nine. How many CJ got? He in double digits. Only thing that Lamar got to make up for that, and we haven't even looked at CJ rushing touchdowns, is that Lamar got five rushing TDs and 80, 84 carries, 440, 440 yards. So, I mean, but he's fumbled the ball five times. So. But that's two different styles, though. And I understand, sure, that's two different styles. You got CJ, he's more of the traditional pocket passer. He is using his mind and his, his IQ and his skills to dissect defenses and beat you with his arm. Whereas Lamar, you know, he's more of that double threat type quarterback. Yeah, he, he is. So who threat. do you really want behind the ball? You want CJ. Who you want up under your son? CJ. And let's do this. What is the Baltimore Ravens record right now? They are what? Five and three? And what are the Texans? Four and four. And what season is CJ in? One. And what season is Lamar Jackson in? Like, shit, like six. I, I'm just saying. Hey, it's been. I'm it's just been saying. What you talking about? Yeah. He he hanging up there with these type of veterans who've been doing this way longer than him on this level, mm-hmm. and he holding his own. I don't want to put too much on him, yeah, because all that can change in a blink of an eye. Lamar is in season six, I believe. Come on, man. Come on, man. Let me tell you this here. If GMs in the NFL would have known prior to the NFL draft that this is what C.J. Young, I mean, C.J. Stroud is going to bring to the table, oh, my God. Hey, when you look at the comparison to C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, it's a total difference. How many picks? <laughs> Bryce Young has seven picks. He threw, what, three last game. And at both, two of them out of the three was pick sixes. So can I get a round of applause for Lovey Smith right now? And right after that round of applause, I want everybody to say thank you. Because everybody felt like he screwed over us. But <laughs> like I told you before, if we would have lost that game, the Texans were going to pick. They would have took Bryce Young. They were going to take Bryce Young. Yeah. It's almost like that was a gift from Lovey Smith versus to a curse. And Lovey Smith probably thought of it the, the other way at the time, you know. He yeah, he, I mean, we all know what his yeah. intentions were. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, just, it just goes to but show just, that what's funny is funny. Yeah, yeah. Just, and just to go to say that, you know, I'm really happy that we did pick CJ. Like, I, I thought Anthony Richardson, which he is, he is a special player, but look, look how much time he's been on the field. Not a lot. The time he has been on the field, yeah, he's played amazing, but is he CJ Has Stroud? he played amazing? Or he just probably exceeded your initial expectations of him as a rookie. Yeah, all right, yeah. yeah you going to say he's amazing? Because yeah. CJ Young's, I mean, CJ Stroud, I keep saying Young, and please forgive me, no disrespect, 
But C.J. Stroud is the epitome of amazing right now as a rookie quarterback. That's true. I would say that he exceeded my expectations out of Anthony Richardson. Okay. I would say that. I think he exceeded everybody's expectations. Because to be honest with you, in my mind, in all fairness, those top three quarterbacks that came out in this year's draft, uh, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, there was really nothing that separated one from the other as, to, for me, as just the overall reason of why he's better than him. Yeah. To me, it was always in my mind, eh, you kind of can't go wrong either way. Mm-hmm. But the only real knock on any of them was with Bryce Young, his size. Yeah, Could he hold up to the, 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 the pressure and the, and, and the pounding of the NFL? But he, he, he seems to be doing okay with that. But nobody, I don't care who he is, sit him across this mic from me. And I will call him the biggest liar we all have <laughs> ever met. If he would have said, I knew C.J. Stroud was going to do all these things he's doing right now and then something. I can't find nobody. No, but you know what? You look at C.J. Stroud and his build, he, out of all three of them, mm-hmm. he was the only one built like a true quarterback, you know, t- prototypical quarterback. Uh, honestly, to be honest, you know, Anthony Richardson, he was built more like a fullback or something, you know. That fullback? Could, yeah. Mm. You know, he, he was built more like, like a bruiser, but he could throw the ball. But yeah. didn't nobody expect Anthony Richardson to just be hurt like that either, you know, with that size. No. You would have thought the opposite. Like, you would have thought that Anthony, I mean, Anthony would have been healthy. Bryce Young would have been the hurt one. You know, and things like that. But a lot of things that we did say about Bryce Young has came true. I think that he's too short to be standing behind that offensive line. And I think a lot of that is, a lot of his, his failure is part of his problem because of his height. So do you think that's the reason why he's thrown so many picks? A lot of times. And, and then also it could be Frank Reich, you know. Like maybe they need him to roll out a little bit more so he can see. But it's obvious, bro. That dude can't see behind them 6'5 offensive linemen. He can't. And, that, and, and, and to me, the buildup that came into... Here's the crazy part. All of the experts were saying that when, when Bryce Young got drafted by the Carolina Panthers and we here in Houston, we drafted C.J. Stroud, all of them were saying that Bryce Young was drafted into a fold that was built to be more successful for a young rookie quarterback mm-hmm. than, than, than C.J. Stroud. They all said that. Because they all looked at the turmoil that the Texans had with the coaching. Well, no, it wasn't about that. But it, it was, was also it, where they... It, it, it was the they, coaching staff and all the the, 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 the... Like I said, the staff that they had that was geared to develop a quarterback. Yeah. That's why they made that, that statement. Mm-hmm. But I literally felt like they was pitting that up against the fact that C.J. Stroud is coming into the league, and his head coach is a defensive-minded coach. And it has been totally the opposite. Yeah, but also you kind of just got to look. Like Bobby Sloyd, uh, D'Amico Ryan, they came from that 49er staff under uh, Shanahan. And I think that's just a brilliant offense to be ran by C.J. Stroud. But also looking at the Bryce Young side, the only thing that's hurting Bryce Young truly, you know, besides his height, is – he really don't have nobody that can really catch the ball. That Adam Thielen thing that they got going is really not <laughs> successful, you know. And them 
trading to get. Is that what we call it? The Allen thing? You know, okay. them trading to get uh, Bryce Young, they gave away everything that he could possibly throw to that was close to elite. Yeah, I, I I didn't like. I was never sold on the DJ Moore being a part of that, but you know, they did. They went with what they felt was uh gonna be a winner for that organization, and and that's still I, that ain't out the window. Uh, you know, Bryce Young still has time to develop, mm-hmm. but uh, it just seems like right now where he is and where CJ Stroud is is like leap years apart. Even though in the head to head matchup. Bryce, Bryce Young, Young came out on top on that. And and also I'm gonna say this. Uh, yeah, uh, CJ is a better quarterback and he got better receivers and stuff like that. But nothing makes an excuse for Bryce Young throwing seven interceptions, period. It mm-hmm. don't matter how poor the receivers might be and stuff like that. He still threw them interceptions. He still threw two two pick sixes and an extra pick in, in the last game, you know. All those things still equate to the point that we said. C.J. Stroud was the better quarterback out of all three of them. Out of Anthony Richards, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young, I think C.J. Stroud still prevails. And with time and practice and film, C.J. Stroud only gets better. And eventually, before you know it, as long as he stay healthy, he's going to be up there with the greatest of the QBs. Okay, so... That is a great settling spot for this next question. CJ, Joe Burrow, who you going with this week? CJ. Why? I just like the poise that he has in the pocket, even under pressure. I know he's healthy, number one. Uh, Burrow, amazing quarterback, but he's not fully healthy. You know, they can lie and tell you everything they want to in the book, but... Burrow ain't 110%. CJ is. CJ, he's going to make stuff happen. You know, if you give CJ an opportunity, as he proven against Tampa, 46 seconds, he made him pay. He made him pay. And that's his word. Write the check. But now, listen at this here. And again, I don't want to run the risk of jinxing him. That's kind of remarkable. With the type of beating he was taking in the first couple of games of the season, and and, and, and true enough, the, the O line has stepped up and protected him a, a lot better. Mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud has not been bit by the injury bug. And he has remained healthy, and I pray that he he does continue to remain healthy. Yeah, but now remember when you pick C.J. over Joe Burrow, you also inadvertently riding. With the Texans defense over the Bengals defense. And the Bengals defense is pretty damn good. Yeah, but you got to remember, that's Joe Burrow throwing against the Texans defense. Mm-hmm. So now. But hey. You still you still, you still still calling it the way you called it at first? Yeah. I, I'm still riding with the number 18 team as far as defense, yards allowed against yeah. Joe Burrow. Yeah. You know. I, I ride with that, man. I, I think, like you said, they're improving. And I think a lot of that improvement has come from a rookie coach with a rookie quarterback and, and rookie linebacker leading the team. You know, it, it all just comes from tenure. And as that tenure just continue to unfold, the Texans get better. And I think we're going to show our best against Cincinnati this Sunday. 
You sure uh, Mr. Joe Mixon ain't going to have a little something to say about that? Mixon going to play a role. But we've been <laughs> when I look at when I look at our defense, we've been pretty good against the run, though. Yeah. Compared to last year, we've we're amazing. We're light years ahead of what we were last year against the run on defense. I agree. But uh, one of the things that kind of got me a little little little, little pumped is uh, both, not one, but both of the uh, Bengals starting wide receivers are listed as questionable on the injury report. They are questionable. So, we only need one of them to miss the game to make the odds a little bit more in our favor because if you look at their wide receiver core after those two, there's a huge fall off. A huge fall off. Trenton Irvin, Andre IOCB, whatever. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then that's it. So, you know, if either one of those are out, I like our chances for sure, for sure. Then, you know. But yeah, and then you just kind of look at our corners. Like, uh, so far this season, our corners been playing pretty solid. You know, even those that have, have came off the practice squad, they made plays, you know. And like I said, this all of that just goes back to D'Amico Ryan's been a, a good coach and a well-coached defense, you know. Uh, I think we're going to win, bro. I mean, I don't want to be overconfident. I'm not overlooking them and stuff like that. Five and three Cincinnati versus four and four Houston Texans. Uh, but I, I feel like we got a damn good shot. And when we look at, they just played Buffalo and they won 24 to 18. I actually, I've been watching Buffalo this season. And I feel like the Texans is probably a little bit better than Buffalo. Mm. Especially, you know, and, 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 and that's a hard sell for me. Well, on me, because I am, uh, you know, uh, Texas is my my squad. I'm not I'm not switching up. So so like I said, don't throw no apples at the speakers or anything like that. <laughs> but just just watching, I, I love the Josh Allen story. How he came about, the struggles, what he's fought through. And, and, and just the player he's developing into, he, he just, you know, I, I'm always for that type of guy that just, you know, I'm going to go down swinging, mm-hmm. no matter what. I'm going to let it rip. And, and, and that's who Josh Allen is to me. And I, and, and I like the program over there. And Stephen Diggs, oh, my God. Like, I mean, like, what's Amazing like You know what I'm saying? But um, uh, their defense, you know, I'm not going to say that – we're better than them, but we are. If there's one team that we kind of mirror right now, it's them. It's Buffalo. Yeah. It, you know, record-wise, everything, all the way through. Yeah. Um, and I that's was, a compliment to yeah, the Texans. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. Buffalo, was, they was probably like one of the face of the NFL teams, you know. Yeah. So Josh Allen, face of the NFL, you know. Come on with so, it. So, hey, we're right there. Only thing I would say that's not in our favor is that we're 1-3 and three on the road so far. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati is three and one at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be a challenge, but hopefully, it's a challenge that we can overcome. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Something that's just just blaring to me. I look at the injury. I mean, I'm sorry, the depth chart of both teams: the Texans and then the Bengals. Mm-hmm. When you when you click on the Texans, it's so much red on the screen. Little, little little alphabets after players' name, questionable <laughs> IR. It's like, are any of these players playing? Man. It's like, we are hurting, but we are still in the midst of all that. 
finding ways to win. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm just so. And like I said, that just goes back to D'Amico Ryan's yeah. and his coaching staff. Yeah. Hats off, bro. You know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't think we could have did that with any of the past coaching staff. Yeah. Especially not Bill O'Brien. You know, yeah, we had a couple good years, but just to make every player on this team make uh, plays, play with a full effort, every play, every down, yeah, it's different. Bro, I, I can honestly say that under Bill O'Brien and, and, and Cully and, and Lovey Smith, or I, whoever you want to bring up, I could easily see this team, this same team right now under that leadership being one and seven. I agree. I agree right away. You know, because, like, you look at Jake Hansen. He didn't play last game, but he was mixed. Yeah. You know, this dude, he's been playing amazing. Yeah. Like, to a point where we didn't expect that out of him at all. At all. Top linebacker in the NFL right now. Yeah. Leading tackler right now for the team. You know, hats off. Hats off. Doubtful right now, but I hope to have him against Cincinnati. And, and you know what? I feel like we really, we really need to be, somebody need to take us outside, bloody our nose, dirty our back. Because all this talk we talked about the Texans, man, we have not given one shout out to the unheralded hero of last week's game. Shout out to my boy Dare, please don't get mad at me, Ogun Bawale. For being ready to step up and embrace the big moment, and not only embrace it but succeeding. Yeah, all right. We had no kicker, bro. No kicker, and he kicked a twenty-nine yard field goal. A twenty-nine yard. No practice, bro. Amazing. Can I get some white hands? I deserve. <laughs> I deserve some. No, but actually, you know, referring to that. The question is, I wonder what did we do about that though, because they never really said anything about. It. You know, I've been watching the 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 the, 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 uh, the transaction wide, try to see if we brought somebody in. And I want to say that we did sign someone. Uh, I can't call his name right now, but if you go to transactions, I think he was brought in like yesterday. Uh, let me check that out for you real quick. You know. Um, yeah, because Kanye Fairbairn, he's still his, na- still his name is Matt Amendola. It's who they signed. So we did grab a kicker. So this week, we won't have to uh, depend on Dare as much. Mm-hmm. But, like I say, shouts out for the moment when we needed it most. Like I say, who knew we even had an emergency kicker? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, That game is crazy, man. It should be up there with the ESPN tops or however they want to. Place it. Yeah. But just to win a game in a team, no, you ain't got no kicker. You know, the the scheme it up all the way right there, like that, and still get the dub. But it was, to me, it was the biggest, the biggest kudos in the world. Like, if you really watch that game, those fourth quarter drives, how, I mean, it just goes, it was, the biggest kudos goes to the coaching staff because. It was certain drives where the Texans could have literally went down and played for a field goal, and they decided, nope, we're going to go for a touchdown here. And then the one drive where they actually tried the field goal with Dari, and I felt like, nah, we needed to keep punching for the the touchdown. 
they sent him out there and he kicked it and, and I mean he hit he 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 nailed it. Right so down the middle. How do they know when you don't even have any any kind of sample of what this man can do as a kicker to make those decisions in Honestly, such a, a clutch? I'm gonna say this. I don't think they did know. I just think D'Amico had enough confidence and loved his player enough to put him out there, man, and allow him to have that kind of moment. But see, I saw an interview with Stroud, and he said that at the halftime, in the locker room, he was told, we're not going for any field goals. Mm -hmm. Every drive is a touchdown, and we're going for two-point conversions after. Anyone we score. So they, they literally came out of the half believing they're never going to use this guy to kick. <laughs> and at some point, somebody said, Hell with Run him out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he nailed it. So, Man. I mean, shout out to the coaching staff. Exhilarating. Because if you think about it, everybody sees what the media puts out there. 470 yards passing, rookie record, five touchdowns, three different receivers with 100 and some yards. All these numbers about C.J. Stroud, but the most blaring number that everybody is overlooking is, what was the final score in that game? 37-39, right? I said all that to say this one thing. If you take away Darius field goal, we lose. That's true. With a 39-37 to 37 victory, that's true. And it's crazy to say that quarter one, we had seven. Buccaneers had 10. Then it was 17 or what, 10 going into halftime. And I, I'll be honest, man, at halftime, I was like, man, it's looking like the Texans going to get blown out in this game. Then the second half, a lot of things just changed. Like, And I guess I was looking at the from the point of view of what we did last week against Carolina. How it was calling the plays. Because the first half, I'm going to be honest. The first half against Tampa, bro, he was calling them plays like he was playing Carolina again. I wasn't happy. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, was, it was real, real bad. Yeah. But the second half, I don't know what happened in the second half, but Stroud must have went in there and grabbed his balls and said, man, coach, you're going to give me the motherfucking uh, keys? I think he definitely went in there and, had, and told him, say, look, yeah, we got to open up this offense. It's just not going to happen without that. Yeah. Uh, and um, shout out to Sloyd for being receptive to that feedback and implementing it because it paid off huge, huge. We saw, we saw what, to be honest with you, what I loved about last week's game is we saw what real H-Town fans have been wanting to see out of the Texans for maybe the last five, six years. Yeah. We saw it all last week. So, all of it. Yeah, that, that was actually pretty We saw good. aggression. We saw good play calling. Mm -hmm. We saw players that really wanted it. Mm -hmm. And it all cultivated and happened against Tampa. Well, I got one more thing to put in the uh, Houston Texans suggestion box. I'm not a hater, people. Please don't receive this information this way. But I have to say this. Did you guys know that there is still a Greyhound bus station 
dead in the middle of Houston, H-Town. Even though they closed down the McDonald's that was next door to it, that Greyhound bus station is still there. And I want to get a Google bus together and purchase a ticket, a bus ticket, not a plane ticket, not a train ticket, but a bus ticket out of this city for DeAndre Houston Carson. That's right. Number 30. He has got to go. <laughs> this man had the opportunity to recover a fumble, <laughs> to seal the game in the fourth quarter. It was three Texans and one Buccaneer. And this man let that one Buccaneer not only recover the fumble, hey. but end up going in on a scoring drive. Let me tell you this. Hey, if I was Charlemagne the God, I'm sorry, sir. I'm almost there. <laughs> if I was Charlemagne the God, I'm talking about donkey of the squad. For DeAndre Houston Carson. Oh, now, I'm done. Let me put the white Hennessy down, man. Yeah, you need to. Man, when I seen Houston you can't Carter. Call that. Bro, when I seen Houston Carter step on the field before they, the fumbles and took place, <laughs> I said, who in the hell is number 30? I said, man, I, I done seen a lot of players come through this rotation, but I ain't seen number 30. Hey, if y'all got a chance, Go to the ESPN website, click on his name, his pitch is going to come up. If there's anybody that clicks on this pitch and don't laugh at what I'm about to say right now, I will give you a $50 uh, uh, gift card to Macy's. <laughs> It's new, look like a broke ass Joe Budden dog. I'm not even bullshit. <laughs> Why is he in the NFL, man? Like, shouldn't he be rapping somewhere, crying about Tahiri or something? Come on, man, get this dude off the team, man. Wow. <laughs> Dion don't get the fifty. He just clicked on the picture. DeAndre but, Houston Carson. Carson. Yeah. You're cut. You're cut. <laughs> I'm talking about. With a butter knife. I want it to hurt. Cut this dude, put him on the bus, and send this dude to somewhere like uh, uh, Brownsville, Texas, somewhere. I don't know. But get him out of H-Town. Send him back to Virginia. William and Mary. Who drafts football players out of William and Mary? The Houston Texans did. And they was wrong for even signing him to the practice squad and allowing him to dress for game day. No, Cut. No wonder. I just saw it. He, he, it was the Chicago Bears who drafted. You never, unless it was somebody like Devin Hester, you never pick up a free agent from the Chicago Bears. How did he make the team? It's crazy, man. It's beyond me. But anyway, let me get back to the real bulls and the real studs of this, this, this Houston Texans offense, man. I got to say, I'm very excited about this week's game. I wish my boys all the luck in the world. I think we can go out there and, and hold our own, even though we're going to be on the road. But the game is at noon. Luckily, the weather, I think it's going to be pretty fair. It shouldn't be uh, the elements that come into play in all of this. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if DP is actually going to play this game, but I'm looking to see a more balanced attack from that offense. Don't get your hopes up to see C.J. Uh, Stroud throw another 470 yards. No, I don't, I don't expect that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I'll see that him. happen. But he, he probably will do three. I uh, only two, give him three. I'll say 250. Yeah. 250, two touchdowns. Um, hopefully, like you said, yeah, balance attack. Hopefully, we see Singletary make a couple plays. Hopefully, the run game yeah, is, is a bigger 
yeah. is a bigger factor in yeah. this game because it's going to be needed against Cincinnati, especially. Uh, you look at their defensive line. We got a former Texan in the middle, DJ Reader. He's going to cause some problems. I mean, he's familiar with us, that's for sure. But the thing that we can say on the flip side of that is we real familiar with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's going to – I mean, <clears throat> he probably come in with a chip on his shoulder. But CJ, CJ's IQ – if he starts seeing that uh, DJ is just kind of blowing through the line or whatever, I like his IQ and in believing in that he can hit the check down and still make a positive play, keep the drive moving versus just sitting back there trying to force something and taking unnecessary sacks. Yeah. So, so I think I think CJ will do good with that. Uh, final prediction: What's the score? Twenty-four seventeen. Who's way? Houston. Twenty-four seventeen. You think that the Cincinnati Bengals are only going to score 17 points? I think we can hold them there. After we gave up 37 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A yes. less, a less but, potent offense. But I will say this. Every time I've seen D'Amico, he learns a lesson. And they come out different. Like, I, I co-signed that one 100. That's an X factor about him that I love. But go ahead. I think after after playing Carolina, going into Tampa Bay, yeah, they allowed more points. But he's going to coach them up to the point where we're only going to allow 17 points. And I feel like the offense is going to be in position to make plays because we got CJ, CJ Stroud, who's going to make them pay. Uh, Texas, 24-17. And here, here's one thing. Before I get my prediction, I want to say that 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 that, that really uh, set well with me. The halftime speech. You know, everybody wants to know what the coaches say to their team and in, in the locker room at halftime. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that D'Amico said that he told the squad this past week was, no matter what, we don't come back to this locker room without the W. He did say that. Say that was so real right there, man. Like, it, me, if I was a player right there and my coach is telling me that and I look at those other guys in the locker room and it look like we all on the same page, I'm going to go out there and give it what I got. We, I'm going to leave it on the field. Then he said when you I'm down. I'm going to leave it on the field. When you down. When you down. He yeah. said, hey, man, we don't come back to this locker room without the W. And they did that. So, I mean, they're just bought in. They locked in. And like I said, if they can feed off of that type of mentality going into this uh, game against the Bengals, I can easily see this game becoming a defensive struggle. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go somewhere out on a limb of 17-10. Who went? It's H time for real. <laughs> playoffs, you know baby. Playoffs. playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey we're going to wrap it up right there. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate everybody for listening. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We're going to be back. Absolutely. And guess what? We still got white here. We will.